Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We co-host Pantsuit Politics, a podcast seeking nuance in political conversation. Along the way, we've realized the rest of life is filled with nuance, too. So we come here each week to commemorate the moments in our lives, moments beyond birthdays, weddings, and funerals, that deserve celebration. It's an opportunity to see ourselves in a new season and to reflect on the messiness of living wisely. Welcome to another episode of The Nuance Life. It is an incredibly big day as we are recording on Tuesday, February 5th, the day that our book, I think you're wrong, but I'm listening, A Guide to Gracefield Political Conversation, launches into the world. Yay! Yay! Celebratory music, Dylan. Yay! It was so funny. One of our regular listeners, Katie, was like, I hope you're commemorating the heck on The Nuance Life. And I was like, were you reading our text messages, Katie? Because that is exactly our plan today. We promote commemoration, and I don't know what deserves to be commemorated more than your first book. The funniest part of this day is that I love it because I love celebrations. I love attention. I like seeing my name and my picture. It's sort of like my wedding day, like I loved it. And what was your response to this day, Beth? Uh, My stomach hurts just like it did on my wedding day. (laughs) I do not like having my picture taken. I do not like all of the attention. Like, I'm so grateful to everyone. And so I feel like every time someone posts about the book, I feel a sense of relief. Okay, things are happening. This is how it's supposed to go. I'm very comfortable here in my closet, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just with the microphone. Oh. I don't like people looking at me. And so it's funny because we are reacting in ways that are, as Elise would say, completely on brand for both of us. This is who we are. <laughs> if you are interested in the complimentary reaction styles, we are doing this new thing on our Instagram stories at Pantsuit Politics, where I will talk to Beth and then she will talk back. It's pretty funny. It's very, it's really laying bare our complimentary styles of celebrating and commemorating. So you can go follow us on Instagram at Pantsuit Politics if you want to see more of that. We have big days of commemorating. I had, I went and got some special treat at my coffee shop. You went and got a massage. We're going to lunch with our husbands. It's very exciting. It is very exciting. The only regret that I have is I wish we could have physically been together somewhere today. I know. Preferably somewhere warm, relaxing, (laughs) but uh, we will be together soon enough. And we'll be posting on our social media the bookstores that have so generously invited us to come talk about the book. And we would love to be able to meet lots of you across the country as we are kind of traveling around this year talking about listening. Before we get started with listener commemorations and talk about our own big commemoration, we wanted to share that we had a really wonderful conversation with Daniel Jackson at the Ordinary Faith podcast. We both talked in much more detail about our own nuanced faith journeys, and I think the listeners of this show in particular are really going to enjoy it. It was a great conversation and special because Daniel is from Kentucky. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he is the pastor at Southland, where I attended when we were in college at Lexington. So I actually kind of had some little aha moments as we were talking about my own faith journey, so I can't wait for everybody to listen. 
And we have an interview with Bible Gateway out about our faith journey too. And the interview with Bible Gateway was really kind of fun and challenging because they were like, what does this specific Bible verse mean to you in terms of political dialogue? And so uh, we got right down to it and it was kind of fun. (laughs) It was exciting. Channeled our inner Baptist good girls from childhood. So we wanted to share Hannah's commemoration before we move on to commemorating our book. She wrote us and she said, hi, Sarah and Beth. I've been a longtime listener of The Nuance Life, and I love tuning in every week for a dose of calm and compassion from you ladies. Last week, after a year and a half of the most wonderful, loving, fun relationship, my boyfriend broke up with me totally out of the blue. It turns out that he had been having doubts for months but was too afraid to talk to me about them. He just didn't feel the way he thought he should in order to advance the relationship. In my heart, I feel that if we'd had the opportunity to talk about what he was worried about, it might have been something we could have dealt with. But because he let it build up, it became something insurmountable for him. I want to commemorate the amount of grace and compassion I was able to find in my heart for him as my perceived future shattered before my eyes. As we talked on the phone, he wept and apologized and went on about how amazing I am and how stupid he is. My heart broke for him that he wasn't able to feel the way he wanted to about me, but I comforted him and assured him I wasn't mad at him and it's not his fault if I'm just not the one. I'm proud of how I handled myself. I also want to commemorate my new future. The prospect of moving made me hesitate to put down roots where I live now, which I love. I'd been wanting to volunteer with Big Brother and Big Sisters, but didn't feel it was fair to establish a relationship with a child in the move away. The first thing I did the morning after the breakup was submit my application to be a big sister. I'm so excited. My friends and family are rallying around, and I'm working hard to feel heartbreak and more in the future I thought I had while still keeping the silver linings in sight. The thing I want most in the world is to have a marriage and a family. I always have. So these breakups have been major heartbreakers, but have both taught me so much. I know that there's so much love on the horizon for me, and I'm accumulating all the lessons I need to be the best me in that partnership. Thank you for your wonderful podcast. I love being able to settle in for a little comfort in my ears each week. Oh, Hannah, my heart breaks for you. My heart breaks for you, but my heart is also happy that you had this conversation. You found this out before this move. Mm -hmm. You are going to be with someone who is ultimately going to be as excited about the relationship as you are instead of someone who's just coming along because you all got on a path together. So I know it sucks right now, but I love that you're already able to put it in this kind of perspective and realize that in the long run, you are on the right path, friend, and you just stay on that path. Well, and I love that she seems to understand that there are a lot of different paths. You know, it's not necessarily that there's one path for her, but that ending of one journey is not the end of all journeys. And I think that's a really good perspective to have. I also want to endorse just being sad about your breakup and all good breakup resources. For example, let me re- let me recommend a good breakup song that I'm obsessed with, even though I have not broken up in many, many years, which is Lake Street Dives Must Have Been Something. Check it out, Hannah, and anybody else going through a breakup is brilliant. Yeah, and I love that she has good friends and family around that she knows that she wants to dive into Big Brothers, Big Sisters. I feel like those are good little cues from the universe. Like, mm-hmm. things are good. Things are good in your life. And, oh, I don't know. Just relationships are so hard. And it just, I got, like, all kinds of feelings reading her message because, you know, we've all kind of been there where you think this is going to be the thing. Mm-hmm. And it is just not the thing. And I don't know how many of those we all have to go through. I think our numbers are probably individualized, but I think all of us have to have at least one. I really thought this was going to be it, and it's not. 
kind of moment. Mm-hmm. I think it serves us well long term. Whatever our lives end up looking like, right? Because they can look a whole lot of different ways. And you might have 15 of those. And at the end of your life, be like, God, look at all these amazing people I got to spend time with. And that's a good result, too. And I just think that that moment where you're like, oh, man, it's ending, especially when you're taken by surprise and you had one vision for the relationship and you get caught off guard like that. It's just it's so hard. And, you know, I've been married. 16 years almost, and I still can be there in that moment when you feel that. I mean, it's just, it's such an intense experience. I mean, it's definitely an experience through which you can grow, but not to go back to my breakup resource song, but the lyric of the song is, you said I didn't do anything wrong, but there must have been something I could have done better. Oh man, I can't barely say it without crying. (laughs) Like, it's just... You, I can't believe anybody had not written those lyrics before in the annals of human history because isn't aren't we all there in that moment? And she even talks about that in her email. Like, I know you said I couldn't have done anything, but like, if if I there should have been something I could have done, or if you talked to me sooner. Oh man, human beings, am I right? Am I right? <laughs> My favorite breakup song is Alanis Morissette's "Unsent." Do you know that song? No. Dear Matthew, I liked you a lot. Where she sings to all of the guys. My favorite part is when she gets to Jonathan, who rocked her world. But it's just great because she talks through every relationship and what was awesome about it and what she learned from it. And then she moves on to the next one. And it's just, it's fabulous. It's such a good song. Oh, and I also, since we're just, let's just go all in on breakup songs um, for Hannah's sake, of course. Bonnie writes... Obviously, one of my favorite sad love songs of all time. Um, I can't, I can't make you love, make me. You love mm. me. Okay, do you know the song? <laughs> do you know the story one. of how that song was written? No, I it's don't. It's the best story ever. Okay, so the guy who wrote it was reading the paper, and this guy had like mm, bashed up his girlfriend's car. It was like something criminal, but not. I don't remember it being violent towards the woman, or else I think it would be a darker turn of the story. But the he got arrested for it or something, and the judge said. The judge asked the guy, what have you learned? And the guy responded, judge, I learned you can't make somebody love you if they don't. Oh, so good. That is good. That song. That song is so, God, it kills me every, every time. And also in the spirit of Alanis Morissette's song you were just mentioning, obviously she needs to be playing Ariana Grande's Thank You Next at the absolute highest volume her ears can handle. Oh my God, that song. You've heard it, right? Oh yeah. Uh, I really discounted Ariana Grande. I'm looking at her with whole new eyes. That song is so good where she talks about, look how she handles pain. Mm. Mm. I had that, that song, song on my list. So a couple of years ago, Chad made a playlist called What the Kids Are Listening To. <laughs> and... <laughs> I just last week made a new playlist called What the Kids Are Actually Listening To Right Now. Because I realized <laughs> our What the Kids Are Listening To was so old. So anyway, I put Ariana Grande on that. Jane uh. went with me on Sunday to a concert where local community choir did this whole program of only women composers. It was wonderful. And it was super cool. They had women there to talk about their life experiences. They ran a PowerPoint of like women who've done amazing things throughout history. <laughs> but Jane's comment was like, are they going to do any Ariana Grande? Word. Are they? Uh, Taylor Swift writes her music. Mom, mm-hmm. are they going to do any Taylor mm-hmm. Swift? I was mm-hmm. like, not not this time, Jane. 
but it was still a great experience. So yes, thank you next endorsed. Here's the best part about thank you next is it can like progress with you as you heal because when you're first broken up and you're super mad, you can listen to the explicit version. And then as your anger goes down a little bit, you can advance to the clean version. And then you feel like a little less angry, but you still get to listen to the song, but you don't have to say the F word every other line. I'm just, Ariana Grande thought about it all. That's all I'm saying. I should also say that Death, Sex, and Money, which is a fabulous podcast, did a whole series on breakups. And I think they have like a crowdsourced, billion hour long Spotify breakup playlist. I cannot endorse every song. I don't know what every song's on it, but I know they have a breakup resource. They might even have breakup movies on there too. Listen, <sighs> as soon as we hang up, I want you to go listen to Unsent because it is the nuanced breakup song. It is like, here are all the emotions. I'm just going to ride the waves of all these things. It's such a good one. Hannah, you're awesome. Yeah, Hannah, Hannah, you listen to all these songs. And if you ha- everybody else has breakup songs, send them and we will share them because. Mm. And also go live your best life, Hannah. Like mm-hmm. live your best life. While listening to Ariana Grande, because I think that's actually required these days. We're going to take a quick break and come back and do a little, uh, a big commemoration of our own. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Christ for Disciplers is a daily podcast offering a weekday message for educators and parents of young disciples. Every day, Marissa gets her three kids in the car and strives for the energy to do everything she wants to do for her children. She wants them to have love, peace, a great education, and be discipled for Jesus. There's never enough of everything to do this, but it seems time is what runs out first. She wants to make a change for the better and turn the corner to be the amazing woman God made her to be. If you ever feel like Marissa, consider trying what she found to be the source of daily spiritual strength, a daily 10-minute podcast designed for her role as the discipler of her children. In just 600 seconds of Christ for Disciplers podcast, Monday through Friday, listeners get a blessing of peace connected to a clear message from the Bible and several ideas to use in their daily life as a parent. Marissa loves to share the message with dads and moms she knows and with her children's Christian teachers that are partners with her in her children's lives. Christ for Disciplers podcast is on iTunes and Google Play, Stitcher and Podbean and most other podcast providers. Subscribe today to Christ for Disciplers. That's Disciplers, D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-R-S, a unique word for the mission of parents and teachers. Make sure to share this with other parents and teachers and make sure discipling your children doesn't take second place in your day with just 600 seconds of listening. You can also get connected by visiting ChristForDisciplers.com. Listen to the Christ for Disciplers podcast today and get the same wisdom that Marissa uses to bless the children in her life. Simple Health is something totally revolutionary with birth control access in the U.S., and it's about time someone revolutionized that space. They're here to make your health care simple. They started out by simplifying birth control access with online prescriptions and home delivery. Did you know over 20 million women in America lack reasonable access to something as basic and fundamental as contraception? It's safe to say that the existing healthcare system in America can prevent women from getting the care they need, whether it's insurance barriers, income, or a physical location. 
So Simple Health thought of a better way. With Simple Health, you can get your free birth control prescribed online and delivered to your door. It's affordable, convenient, and safe. Whether you're already on birth control, looking to get back on, or you want to try it for the first time, Simple Health will take care of you. Being a woman in America isn't easy for plenty of reasons, but access to fundamental care shouldn't be one of those. Here's how it works. You fill out a comprehensive online health profile, answer some questions formulated to get the best birth control for your body, your preferences, your insurance situation. A medical doctor then reviews your profile, figures out if you're a good candidate for birth control, recommends a product, and writes a prescription. Then your birth control ships to your door on a recurring schedule with no interruptions. And just to be clear, Simple Health isn't making their own birth control. They just prescribe trusted, vetted brands, including pills, patches, and rings. If you're already on birth control, and just tired of dealing with the pharmacy, Simple Health is easier. You just fill in your pharmacy and insurance information and they'll start shipping your birth control to you for free. Best of all, Simple Health offers affordable care regardless of insurance. They do accept insurance and luckily birth control is free with most plans. For those without insurance, the average cost is $18 a month depending on the exact type prescribed and delivery is free for everyone. The prescription is usually $20, but our listeners get to try it for free. Just go to simplehealth.com life or enter the code life at checkout. I want to mention that this isn't a replacement for routine evaluations by your primary care physician or gynecologist, but it is the most convenient and comfortable way to get your birth control. Again, don't miss your chance to try this awesome service for free. Go to simplehealth.com life or just enter the code life at checkout. If you're a woman on birth control, this is going to save you a lot of time and money. If you're not, tell someone in your life about Simple Health and help improve women's access to health care. Everyone wins. Sarah, as we mentioned, it's our book birthday. Happy birthday, book. Happy birthday, book. Felt like forever. It felt like forever away. Forever. That's a very profound statement, I know. But it really did. It felt like February 5th was never going to get here. Well, so we can walk everybody through the process a little bit because it has been a long time. We signed the contract to write the book in late October. The draft was due February 1st of 2018. So we dropped, we signed the contract in October 2017. Yes. We took a couple of months to write the first draft. February 1st, it was due. We spent lots of quality time with our editor, Jessica. And then lots more quality time with our copy editor, Brigitte. And then lots of time with the design team <laughs> and the marketing <laughs> team. And then finally, it became February 5th. I mean, I guess as a mother of young children... I should know that time passes faster than you want it to or expect it to. But because that, you know, the process of editing it and, you know, you summed it up quickly, but it didn't feel that quickly as we were writing it. And so sitting here today, especially because we're not in person, I was afraid it was going to be anticlimactic. I was afraid it was going to be, you know, we already unboxed it. We already saw the event. And we were good. we were together for that when we saw the finished copy for the first time, which I'm really grateful for. But I was worried it was going to be, yeah, just anticlimactic. But that has not been my experience. I'm happy to say. I'm happy to say now that we're in the midst of the day itself. Um, seeing all the nice messages. It's like your birthday, right? I mean, it, it's like your social media experience on your birthday. It's sort of like your birthday. You get a lot of text messages and you get a lot of... Facebook comments and likes and lots of social media love. And I'm sure it will surprise absolutely no one that I absolutely love my birthday. And I love my birthday even more now that Facebook exists. So I'm feeling it. I'm having a good time. I am so glad that you feel that way. <laughs> but. No, no but. Just period. I'm so glad that you feel that way. 
No, I'm really excited about it. Look, I I feel very emotional about the book because I don't know why. I mean, we put content out into the world three times a week, but there's something so permanent about a book. Yeah, dude, we're in the Library of Congress now. It's, it's completely real. different than releasing a podcast. And I always think with the podcast, it feels like this ongoing conversation with listeners mm-hmm. because we're going to release it. People are going to listen usually within a day or two. If they have something that they feel strongly about in any direction, right, we're going to hear it quickly and then have a chance to talk back and then maybe on the next podcast say, and also this or here's what we meant. And with the book, it's much more of a distant experience from the person who's reading it. And so there is a big part of me that just wishes I could like fly to everyone's living room and just be there while they're reading so they can look Mm -hmm. up and be like, well, what's this about? And I can say, Mm -hmm. oh, here's what it is. And we can kind of stay in that conversation. And I think that that distance is part of what has my stomach hurting. And then the other thing is just like, it's just a lot. And I get overwhelmed very quickly. Well, I think that, you know, the podcast is because it's a conversation because it's sort of constant content creation. We always have a chance to respond. Whereas the book, you know, if somebody we can't you know, go into everybody's copy and be like, oh, we're seeing now that this is misinterpreted. We want to say this instead. Like, if that's not available to us. I mean, hopefully we have a lot more things to say and we'll write more books. But it is a it's sort of a statement in a way we're not used to. We're definitely more familiar with invitations and conversations than we are sort of concrete statements out in the world. Although, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping as we go out and promote the book, we will have opportunities to do that and talk about it in fresh ways and add layers of understanding to it. Yeah, I hope so, too. I think the process of promoting the book is a really strange one because as our friend Carol said the other day, like, your listeners know versions 2.0 and 3.0 and 5.0 of you. And like, for a lot of people, this is version 1.0. This is where you they're starting with you. And so I think also just being introduced to people in a way that's brand new for us is just, it kind of has me feeling... Um, Vulnerable. Vulnerable is a word. Yes. I was also looking for something like off kilter a little bit. Disoriented. (laughs) Disoriented is what I want to say. There you go. There you go. Yeah. And I just think it's surreal. I think there's so much of it. And I think this happens a lot when you commemorate big things in your life. I'm seeing in the world often discussions about identity. Like there's a new book out called Atomic Habits that everybody's talking about. And he talks about habit as identity. And, you know, when I'm, I've talked about this a lot on the podcast that one of my friends who's a health coach says that the hardest level of change is always at the identity level. Like, I just feel like there's a sort of a cultural acknowledgement of how much our behavior. Um, we talked about this on Pansy Politics about identity and how that makes politicians have a lot of trouble changing. Just I've, I've been thinking a lot about identity, I guess is what I'm saying. And I think it's so surreal because. For so long, I identified as someone who wanted to write a book one day. That was a part of my identity for years. And now it's just surreal to think that's not who I am anymore. You know, I'm a person that wants to write more books for sure, but now I'm a published author. I have written a book. And it's just, it's, I think that's the sort of disorienting, surreal part of it is any sort of identity level change. Even back to the breakup conversation, you're in a relationship, you were identified, you identified as a person in a relationship, and now all of a sudden that identity no longer applies to you. And it's just, it's, it's weird, man. It is weird. And it's hard to like hold it loosely, which I think is the goal here. 
I keep telling myself this book will be what it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So there's not an outcome of failure because we wrote the book. It will mean something to someone that's enough. And there's a big part of me that I have to fight, especially that part of me that is still looking for a professional identity since I shed mine and a professional identity that can be explained kind of in a neat and tidy way. <laughs> mm -hmm. There's a there's a part of me that thinks like, OK, what are the metrics here? Like, what does success look like? What do we need to be doing? And then I just try to keep coming back to nothing, Beth, like you just need to keep doing your work and let it go. And if it is meant to be a larger success, it will be. And if it is not, that's fine. This is still an accomplishment. It's still something to be really proud of. It's still something that we're going to learn a lot from. And hopefully it leads to the next set of work that's our work to do. I think that helps kind of seeing it in the grand vision. Like, again, back to Hannah's wisdom, that it's not necessarily that we're that this is just another step in the journey. We're not we're not closing off one side and walking to another or, you know, whatever the case it may be. It's that we've added this additional destination, I feel like, in a way. But it does feel like it feels different as far as sort of the understanding of success and the nervousness about like levels of achievement with the book because, you know, everything I've done up until this point has been like the ephemeral levels of success available to you on the internet because I was a blogger and we podcasted and all these things, you know, obviously separate from the election, which has a has a real, <laughs> a real hard result based on your success or failure. And so, the, but the book feels different than that because it's not ephemeral. I mean, I think that there is, there's real money, there's real sales figures, there are real numbers. And I think thinking about that along with what we're trying to do with the book is like it's it's a hold it's a hard tension to hold because and because we believe in the mission of the book we wrote what was in our hearts and what we truly believe is important with regards to not just having hard political conversation but you know one of the best compliments we've gotten is that this book is about having hard conversations of all types and so we believe in that and the reality is in order for that work to be successful and to continue to do it there are some like hard metrics of success with the book to pay attention to, not to get too wrapped up into it, like you said, to hold it loosely, but to just kind of stand in that space between I want this to do good because I believe in the mission of the book and I want to continue to do that work and not to be defined by it. And I think that's the tension that everybody has in their career in some way or another, mm -hmm. especially people who create things. But anyone, you know, you want to do your best work and put it out there. and follow all of those metrics and all of the tangible things that are attached to being able to continue doing your work and then also not lose yourself in that and know that if all that went away tomorrow, you would still be okay. And it's weird to, after a year of doing podcasting and coaching work, have this thing that you can hold in your hand that we did, right? This is a, this is a product and nothing else that we do feels like a product to me. And this is. And so to be able to hold that in my hand and also know that if it is gone tomorrow, that's all right. And our work is still important and worthy and we're still purposeful as human beings. It's just a lot to take in. Yeah, it is. It is a lot to take in. That is that is very true. Very, very true. 
you know, we talked about this on Pantsuit Politics, but not letting your role meld with your identity. And I think that's really what you're talking to is like carefully piecing them apart, which is hard. And so especially on a day like today when you're trying to commemorate an achievement within a particular role, you know, because you do. It's the hardest part, I think, of being out there in the public eye is I think it's easy to accept the advice. Don't take the criticism seriously. But it's much harder to take the advice of if don't take the praise seriously either. You know, hold both loosely. And I think on a day like today, when you really just want to be super celebratory, it's hard not to sort of dive into the praise and be like, yay, this is awesome. We have done the best thing in the world. You know, because inevitably that can lead to the flip side and the crash of that. Hard though, man. And you also like want to celebrate some because it is a big deal. It's a big thing mm-hmm. that's done. And I don't want to give anybody the message that the big things they're doing in their lives aren't that they should be so distanced and so detached from it that they don't have a sense of joy about it. And so it's like have a sense of joy balanced by a sense of zen, <laughs> you know? Mm. Zen, not my gift in life. I'm just going to be honest. <laughs> Oh, it's mine in some context and not in others, which is the the messiness of the whole thing, right? I don't know that anybody has it completely down. I certainly don't. Well, we do want to thank all of you for being along with us on this journey as we commemorate a big milestone in the the universe of Sarah and Beth, both Pansy Politics and The Nuance Life, and our new book, I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening, A Guide to Gracefield Political Conversation. If you want to order the book, you can go to I Think You're Wrong, But I'm Listening.com or you can text I'm listening to 313131. Obviously, you know, purchases, reviews, if you want to support the book and you liked it, are hugely important to more people finding this book and being better equipped to have hard conversations in politics and other areas of their life. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be back in your ears with more commemorations and deep dives into the messiness of living wisely next Wednesday between now and then. You can find us on Pantsy Politics on Friday and Tuesday. Keep it nuanced, y'all. Nuance Life is produced by Dylan Garvin. Elise Knapp is our production assistant. Dante Lima is the composer and performer of our theme music. The Nuance Life is listener supported. For $5 a month, you'll receive an extra episode of The Nuance Life at patreon.com slash The Nuance Life. You can connect with us on our website, thenuancelife.com, and follow us on Instagram.